Welcome to Hire It Advisor, the Baker Tilly podcast dedicated to providing insightful guidance and leading practices for college, university, and research institution leaders and board members, experts and thought leaders in higher education finance, institutional operations, collegiate athletics and esports, health and wellness, data analytics, and more. Join our podcast host, higher education practice leader Dave Capitano, for bi-weekly episodes to discuss the latest news in higher education and the impact these trends and changes have on the industry. This is where you come to learn what's really going on behind the scenes at colleges and universities across the country. Hello, and welcome back to the Higher Ed Advisor podcast series. I'm Dave Capitano, Baker Tilly's Higher Education Practice Leader and podcast host. Can I afford college is a common question students have and a challenge higher education institutions face. In this episode, my colleague and fiscal resiliency specialist, Christine Smith, and our guest explore an innovative solution, loan repayment assistance programs, also known as LRAPs. Our guest, Mid-America Nazarene University's Associate Vice President for Enrollment, Drew Whipple, and RDO's Education Solutions President, Peter Samuelson, explain how LRAPs not only give students access to higher education, but also improve institution enrollment. Drew also tells us about his university's Pioneer Pledge, a program that uses LRAPs to allow students to focus on earning a college degree and serve as a differentiator for the institution. Christine, take it away. Good afternoon, everyone. Those of you who've joined our podcast before know that this podcast series is intended to provide institutions with new ideas about how to ensure success at the intersection of institutional resiliency and positive student outcomes. The topic of affordability is one that comes up often when discussing why someone doesn't go to college or has to drop out. And today I'm very excited because we are going to have the opportunity to hear more about loan repayment assistance programs or LRAPs as we refer to them here at Baker Tilly. And specifically, we're going to hear from two people who are very, very qualified to speak to the topic about how they're able to actually provide a solution to that statement of, hey, I can't afford to go to college. So with that, I'm going to open up the conversation and Drew would like to start with you. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about why you brought this program with you when you joined your current institution? Yeah, gladly. With LRAP, one of the things that that we really tried to focus on when we were looking for some solutions to help us address some issues of affordability was how can we find a solution that allows us not only to add value to our enrollment, our recruiting, our marketing propositions, but also to help us with our bottom line. When we first started looking at LRAP as a solution here at MidAmerica, we were coming down from some enrollment uh, issues. We had dropped about 13% year over year. The year that we first started looking at LRAP, we had just had a spike in our discount rate, uh, a pretty significant one. And we were trying to figure out how do we find a balance of being able
able to help some enrollment issues, to help with some budgeting issues, some discount rate issues. And it was just kind of a bonus for us that it fit with the mission of who we are. And it was a product that really helped extend to our, to our students, to our prospective students, and then to the students in the program. It really allowed us to extend our mission on beyond graduation. And Peter, from your perspective, as someone who sees this program executed you know, across different institutions, is the experience that Drew just described about why they pursued it and then some of the, the specific benefits that they saw, is that pretty common to the results you see across other clients? That is common. You know, most of our clients get really good results. We had Ruffalo No Levitt survey students at eight of our clients this year, and 16% of those 1,200 families said that they would not have been able to attend that institution without the LRAP. And we see that in surveys we do all the time. We do our own surveys, clients do their surveys, and it's really common for students to say, a high percentage of students to say, this is what enabled me to come, this made the tipping point enabling me to come, this is a really significant factor in attending. And we love to see that, because as Drew said, it fits the mission so well. We're trying to help students go to college, we're trying to help colleges have success, we love to help both of them. Great. And can you say a little bit about just the basics of the programs for those of our listeners who are not familiar with LRAPs, how they work, how, how you work with an institution to set them up? Sure. So the idea of a loan repayment assistance program, what we call an LRAP, started at Yale Law School and other law schools decades ago, and they've been using them for years. And so we're bringing this to undergraduates. And the promise to the students is very simple. If your income after you graduate is low, we're going to help you make your loan payments. So it's a safety net so you don't have to be afraid of the debt. What happens so often is students apply to college, they get admitted, and at that point they're thrilled, right? The college admits a lot of students, everyone's thrilled, and a few weeks later the financial aid award shows up, right? And when that financial aid award appears, the student says, man, I can't afford it. Mom and dad start suggesting maybe you should look at cheaper options, right? And all of a sudden, whatever this preferred college was, the first choice college, starts seem like an unattainable dream. Not for every student, right? Lots of students make it happen, but there's always a really big group of students who will tell you in surveys and show up by not showing up at college that that really made a difference. And so colleges can bring out the LRAP and tell the student, look, we know you're concerned about debt. It's a real fear. We understand that. If your income is below, it's often $45,000, $50,000, sometimes $40,000. It depends on the college. We're going to help you make your loan payments when you graduate. And the common question parents ask or students ask is, what's the catch? And it's really straightforward for the student. You have to attend this school because they're giving it to you. You have to graduate and you have to be working. So pretty simplistic in terms of what's required of, of the student and what they need to do to be eligible at the end. I know, Drew, you have a specific strategy that at MidAmerica you guys have adopted to really think about which students are going to be eligible for the program. Can you talk a little bit about that strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Back in fall of 2018, when we first engaged with LRAP, first partnered with them, we really was what is called a stale funnel approach, where we were really trying to go back and see if we can turn a few of the students that Peter just described of excited at the point of acceptance, but then dismayed at the point of the financial aid offer, really trying to see if there were any students within that, that pool for us in that year that we could entice or we could help to come back to the table and say, hey, with a program like this, we think it is doable, we think it is affordable. And so that first year, I think we brought and we offered about 40 students in that first year. 
What we quickly realized was that that doesn't really help us with the enrollment or the marketing side. And so for the fall of 2019, we shifted into the approach that we're still engaged in, and that is providing it to all incoming qualified students, which are all first-time freshmen or all transfers who have at least two years left in their academic program. And so that is the strategy that we're currently employing, and that is it really allows us to engage farther in advance or uh, much earlier in the recruitment cycle, and it allows us to add LRAP as a part of our primary affordability value proposition in all of our marketing efforts. And am I right in that this works in conjunction with other aid or scholarship programs? Can you, can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It really is two different sides of the same coin. When we talk affordability, we don't only talk about scholarships and grants, but we also talk about LRAP, uh, or as we white label it, the Pioneer Pledge. And so the LRAP program, it works side by side with all of our existing scholarships, grants, all of our financial aid opportunities that we provide to students. And what we have found is that, especially for, we just had a training uh, here on campus with our Ardeo reps uh, with about a dozen of our coaches. And so we're trying to help equip our coaches to better be able to talk about not just the athletic scholarships that they're talking about their recruits with, but also the value add of the Pioneer Pledge or the LRAP program, because it really does give us a distinct advantage when students are looking or comparing us with other colleges. And it so it really boosts or adds a ton of value to our existing scholarship programs. And Peter, I know there's an aspect to this around sort of making sure that from the institution perspective that they have the right balance, you have the right sort of underwriting that happens that projects kind of what's going to happen in terms of the student mix. Can you talk a little bit about how institutions work to ensure that it has a positive impact on the bottom line? Sure. And, you know, Drew has mentioned kind of the two extremes in usage we see. Some schools give it only to the stale funnel, to the students who didn't deposit my May 1st, the students who quit talking to the admissions counselors. And that's a really effective way for the school to be sure that they would not have got that student to enroll without LRAP, right? So it has a really high percentage return on investment because these are students who had already left and they weren't coming. But then what Drew mentioned is they shifted over to giving this to all of the incoming students. So their percentage return on investment is less now because they're giving it to a lot of students who would have come anyway, but they're maximizing the total impact. They're bringing in a lot more students this way because the earlier you start addressing this fear that students have, the more students you can help overcome that fear and bring them to your campus. So by starting from day one as they recruit an incoming class, you know, all the way through junior year of high school, all the way through senior year, in every communication they get to reinforce it, it doesn't replace the other reasons to go to Mid-American Nazarene, right? It's not the primary reason you go, but it's the reason you don't not go, right? It overcomes that objection, stops that objection in the tracks, and lets students focus on why they wanted to go and be a pioneer in the first place. And then we have schools who use it in between. They might say, we're rebuilding our communications program. We don't have as many students in the education program as we want. So we're gonna use it in a narrower way. It limits our budget commitment. We're not gonna have the same maximum impact that Drew is having, but we're gonna have a targeted impact with this group of students where we want really wanna boost our yield and boost our enrollment. So benefits both from the student perspective as well as significant benefits from the institution perspective financially and otherwise. Absolutely. You know, 
Drew, I'm curious. I think, you know, one of the things you you talked about, we're going to kind of help you to afford this. We're going to help you to get to completion. So can you say a little bit about what else you've had to do or put in place to, to really make sure that the program is managed effectively by your team and that students do get to that completion? Yeah, absolutely. So we are this for fall of 22. This is going to be our fourth class that we have provided to everybody. So we're we're hitting the tipping point where every student who qualified coming in will be a part of this program. So it's also going to be the first graduating class at the end of this next academic year. So we're already made plans with our reps from our DAO, uh, and we're we're already mapping out what it's going to look like to provide the off ramp. Uh, experience here on campus for those graduates going out and it's we're really really excited about that that next graduating class of being able to provide them with all of the information they need all of the access to really jump in and for those who need or are at that point in their career where they need some help they're going to get it but yeah that is that's something that we are gearing up for now and so we i think this last year i think we had nine graduates uh, who came out of that first stale funnel class back in fall of 2018. So we haven't had a lot of experience with it yet, but we are looking forward to that experience. And Peter, from your perspective, are there certain types of institutions that this program works better for than others, whether it be size, type of degree? You know, we've talked to a few colleges who truly are full. There are some colleges that are constrained in their uh, geography and the land, and they have as many students as they want, and they just don't want any more, right? So generally, they don't have as much interest. But if a school wants to bring in more students, they almost certainly have a segment of students where the yield is low, and we can help them with that group where the yield is low. This program started at Yale Law School, and the challenge there wasn't bringing in enough students. They had more than enough students. Their challenge was competing with Harvard and Stanford to get the strongest academic students at the cheapest price, right? So we've also seen some clients use this where they can increase academic quality or increase diversity at a lower cost than just giving pure scholarships. So there's quite a few ways a college can use it. What they do need to do is decide what it is they want to do and what they want to accomplish, and then make sure their actions match with that. Fair enough. And and as you sort of work in collaboration with the institutions, what sort of support are you providing relative to marketing or training to staff in terms of the messaging and, and the actual actions that have to take place? You know, we love working with Drew and his team because they do so much. And obviously, the more that the school does, he talked about bringing in training for the coaches, right? And we love to train the coaches because if they can talk about this, it just makes it that much more effective. So at a bare minimum, a college gives us a list of students they want to give LRAP to. We're going to send emails to them. We're going to call them. We run a little call center. We're going to do some social media. We want to reach out and educate those students and their families about the investment the college is making on their behalf, how this works, how this can give them a safety net, because the more informed they are, the more able they're to make a decision about whether this is what they need. Uh, we support the marketing efforts of a college, providing templates, providing advice, how they can fit this into their existing communications plan, because they already have a plan in place. They just need to add a few messages here and there. We provide printed materials, copies of lots of materials that they can hand out to students, that they can put in mailers. So any way we can help them, we can. And then we especially train them, right? We want to train the admissions counselors so they're comfortable with the program. They can answer the early questions, the initial questions. And if the college wants us to train their uh, financial aid team, their coaches, other on campus, we're happy to do that as well. And 
taking that one step further, Drew, I know, you know, there's a lot of ink being given right now in all of the higher ed publications to student fiscal or financial literacy. Can you say a little bit about aspects of this program or sort of relevant approaches you're taking to talk about that and ensure that there's financial literacy among those both within this program and, and more broadly? Yeah, the benefit that we have or the advantage that I think that we have when we get to that point in the conversation where we're sitting down with a prospective deciding student and their family, talking about affordability, talking about loan strategies, talking about how do you find the right mix of scholarships, grants, what about savings, what have you been able to save up, uh, what kind of jobs are you looking at from the student perspective over the summers, what do you have to invest? When we help families kind of sort through all of those things, what we try to focus them on is really graduation is number one. Graduation is the goal. Without getting to graduation, then all the conversations, all the investments, wherever it's coming from, you need to get to graduation. And that's one of the benefits of this program is that it only pays off if you get there. And so one of the things that we talk about with our prospective students often is if you're looking at us and graduation isn't the goal, isn't the plan, well then LRAP really isn't for you. The Pioneer Pledge doesn't have a lot of value for you, and that's fine. Uh, make sure that you have your, your affordability plan and you can afford it elsewhere. But for those who plan to graduate, what we do to really try to educate and inform them is help them build out their borrowing strategy from day one. And so it's not a, hey, come back and we'll talk about it again next year. We try to help them think through and map out if graduation is the goal, then what is your borrowing strategy based on what you want to do with your life on the other side of college? What is your earning potential? Because one of the things that, that I know I do when I sit down with a family is if they're thinking, hey, in the first five years, we don't think our earning potential is really going to get up to that upper income threshold. Well, then we actually kind of game out with them. Well, hey, if you're going to be making about this much, here's how much you're planning on borrowing. Here's the support you can actually expect on the other side of graduation. And so for us, this helps us broaden the conversation with prospective students that before they borrow that first dollar, that we try to help them shape out what does that four years of college look like? What does it look like to get to graduation? What is your plan? And let's make sure that we have everything in order before you step foot on campus. And Peter, when you look across the Ardeo portfolio of students enrolled, are there certain academic programs or, or professions that see the best results or, or the highest participation that kind of makes sense, you know, following up on some of Drew's comments about the, the income threshold? Well, there are. And, you know, when we got going, it was uh, well, that was one of the big open questions, right? Would we get only the ministry majors, only the social work majors? And we certainly see a lot of ministry, a lot of social work, a lot of education is uh, one that's probably higher than I expected initially. Uh, we also get a lot of business majors. But, you know, the interesting thing is the, the distribution of both majors and careers afterwards include a lot of STEM as well, a lot of pre-med, a lot of others that you might not think at first. And think about the B student in high school who wants to go be a doctor. They're excited about that future potential, but they're not sure they're going to get through organic chemistry. They're not sure they're going to make it into med school. And LRAP provides that safety net. They can chase that dream, which is a high-paying dream, and if it doesn't work and they have to do something else, they're, they're covered. They've got the safety net. So it's not as heavily concentrated in education and social work as you might expect. There's just a lot of students out there who have a general 
unease about borrowing forty, fifty thousand dollars to go to college, and this really can come for that unease. Plus, you have the students in those majors where they know they might have a concern, and they, of course, are going to be very interested in it. So it sounds like a program that that definitely innovative new solution benefits both to the institution and more importantly to the student. What's what are the downsides? What are the potential downsides from from either one of your perspectives? It's the same downside that any student who borrows is going to face if they don't get to graduation. Right? I mean, the, the, the same downside for a student who has the LRAP program here at MNU who stops out, they don't have the earning potential of their degree, and they don't have any support or help to pay off the debt that they accrued, right? So, so really, the downside is the same with or without. LRAP. So for from our perspective, there really aren't any downsides for students who are participating with us in the LRAP program because it is the it's all plus side on the other side of graduation. And I would agree that Drew pointed out that if students don't plan to graduate, it's not for them. You should be going to college where you're confident you can graduate. That really matters because they do have to graduate. But beyond that, very, very little downside for the students. For the college, they have to make sure they're giving it to students where they can make a difference with enrollment. We have had a few colleges who somehow fell into giving it to a handful of students because they thought the student would need it, but the student was already coming. And then really quickly, they view it just as this is a pure cost and we can't afford to be giving that money. So that's not a way that works for a college. They're not a foundation. They're not giving out pure scholarships. They're trying to grow enrollment. Drew also mentioned as he talked about how much his team does to make sure this is built into the marketing efforts. And we certainly do at Ardeo everything we can to help support a school and get the word out. But if a college doesn't really commit to marketing this, talking about it, you know, they're going to see results proportionate with that effort. If they don't do anything, we can get them some results. They're going to be a lot happier with the results if they also uh, do, do some work like Drew does. And totally makes sense, right? You, you get, get out of something what you put into it. Yeah. I'm curious. There's a lot in the news right now about loan forgiveness. And we've been through a period now of two plus years, right, where, where we've got loan forgiveness. Is that creating any confusion for, for students? Is that creating any sort of reduction in interest in this program from, from what you've seen? Now, you know, on our end, a lot of students and families are still worried about what happens after the moratorium. There are certainly some students who have less interest in it, but generally more. And in fact, what I think of when I think of this latest extension for three more months is just a lot of uncertainty. It's not a long extension. It's too short. You know there's going to be more action after that. And one of the things we hear from families when we talk to them about different federal programs is they're just not sure what Congress is going to do between now and the time when their son or daughter graduates. And that uncertainty makes them not quite as willing to rely on a federal program, even though some are really generous and really helpful. And it's one of the reasons students and families really love LRAP is, you know, as a private company, they feel much more confident in relying on the obligation, the promise that uh, we're helping the colleges make to them. Makes sense. Thank you. So we're, we're coming towards the end of our time here. So I'm going to just give you each a chance um, to, to sort of talk a little bit about, you know, what are the three things you most want others to know about LRAP, um, both from the perspective of how it can assist students and also institutions to achieve some of their, their fiscal goals? I guess, Drew, let's, let's start with you. Yeah, I would say the, the three takeaways that I would want to share to begin with and, and to support what Peter just said, it's not a silver bullet. 
the, the LRAP program, it has to be a part of a holistic and comprehensive strategy from the institution, from the leadership on down, and everybody has to be able to buy into it. They have to own what it does or how that fits within the strategy. And right, there, there are many different ways to approach building it into a strategy. Uh, the way we've done it, our, our top priority was to, to try to increase enrollment or at least stop the decline and to really attack our discount rate because the way that we, according to our budget process, we ended up cutting scholarships to be able to afford to offer this to students. And what we have found is, I actually just got our updated discount rate for this year. In the last four years since we we partnered with LRAP, we've cut our discount rate now by about 7%. We've increased net tuition revenue by close to 15%. And that was kind of the impetus for us to begin the partnership. And we've seen some really good success with that. Uh, we're tracking this next year to grow enrollment again. And so that's something that for us, we knew what we wanted, we knew how to fit it in. And the last couple of years, we've just been trying to build everything out to support kind of that comprehensive strategy. So it's not a silver bullet. It's not gonna happen quickly while we did did see some immediate successes along the way. What our, our best years are yet to come as we look out over the next couple of years of having all students in it, of having our graduates going out and participating in this program. So one, it's not a silver bullet. Two, it's not it's not an immediate impact kind of a program. It takes time planning and a lot of energy. Uh, the third one, it, it really comes down to internal ownership. Everybody from the CFO to the admissions counselor to the coach, uh, my dream is to have our landscape uh, people here on campus know about the program so that then when they overhear a guest walking by talking loans, I want them to be ready to say, hey, you know about the Pioneer Pledge, right? Because it is something that when we have everybody in the institution, not only understanding what the program is or what the value is, but excited about it. And that's something that that I really do think as much as Ardeo has done, I mean, I just looked at the list. We had, I think you sent on our behalf over 175,000 emails this last year, attempted over 5,000 calls, had over 800 good conversations with prospects. I mean, the, the value add that they bring is, is incredible, but I want our team to be doing just as much, if not more. And that's where I think we find the real value in a program like this. So both the qualitative and quantitative endorsement, and those are some significant results you just pointed out. I mean, I don't hear too many other institutions that are realizing a decrease in discount rates, let alone a 7% decrease in discount rates or increases in net tuition revenue. So kudos. A lot of hard work went into making that happen, I'm sure. Peter, how about you? Last words of sort of what's what's important, what's most important to know about LRAPs and, and the Ardeo LRAP program? Well, I'll sum up with three takeaways here. One, as Drew just said, he is stretching his limited financial aid and discount dollars further. And I think every college and university wants to do that. No one is so rich that they don't feel some constraints. And a lot of schools feel a lot of constraint. You know, at Ardeo, we want to help them stretch those dollars. I think a second thing that, come, that comes out as we talk about the Pioneer Pledge is this is a real differentiator for a lot of schools. This is something different that other schools are not offering students, and students are going to notice that. So if schools are looking for a way to stand out, they should certainly look at what LRAP can do for that. And third, I go to the students. 
Students are being asked to borrow more and more money every year as tuition goes up. That's going to continue. And they want some sort of safety net that says, I'm making a good decision here. And I really like it when schools will give them an LRAP and say, yeah, we're going to give you a safety net because we really believe in the value of our education. You're going to be just fine. You know, we, we talked a little bit about the downside. So what really how, how does the financial risk piece of this all work? And and can you say a little bit more about if an institution signs up for this, really, what are they putting on the line? You know, we get asked that question by CFOs all the time as they do due diligence, right? And the answer there is pretty straightforward. We work with a large A-plus rated insurance company who provides the backing for the program. Uh, that provides a lot of stability and a lot of comfort. And that's what we show, share with CFOs. Well, this is a great conversation, a fascinating conversation, a very interesting solution to what has been a very long-term problem within higher ed in terms of affordability. So really appreciate both of you spending some time talking about this very um, student-first approach that also ha can have positive fiscal impacts for institutions. So thanks both Drew and Peter, very much have appreciated our time today. Thank you, Christine, glad to be on. Thank you for joining us today. To receive notification when new episodes become available, please subscribe to Baker Tilly US wherever you get your podcasts.